Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Hi everyone, Booker Tov, Moadim Simcha, and as Rabbi Lucas would say, Chaguzel. Um, it's great to see everybody. It's nice that some of us are in Sukkot, some of us are on the beach in Tahiti, um, and um, it's great to study some Torah with you all. So, um, I have us lingering, but not having finished the verse with the two Vayeshevs. So we're chapter two of Shemot, verse, um, verse 15. 15. 15. Which we spent time with, but I don't think we read uh, all the Rashi's on. So let me uh, build up right. some momentum. That's through two Rashi's. What's that? We went through two Rashi's. Right. We, we did Vayishma, we did Vayabakesh. We asked and we, we listened and we asked. Uh, the verse itself, Vayishma Paro, Pharaoh heard, understood perhaps, at the thing. We spent some time talking about what the use of the word davar in these, um, in these different sentences. Vayabakesh laharoga Moshe. We won't go back into it, but we noticed the oddness of a king being the one to be mevakesh, to, to ask that, that um, uh, Moshe be killed. Vayivrach Moshe, Moshe fled, mipnei Pharaoh, from Pharaoh's presence. Vayeshev be'eretz midyan, and I'm going to translate it, I think, kind of the way uh, the, the verse wants us to translate it. He, um, he dwelled in, or lingered, perhaps, in the land of Midian. Vayeshev al ha'be'er, and he made camp. Right, he he kind of um, he, he he sat. He became stationary by the well. So we discussed that looking at the Rashi's this oddity that you have Vayeshev in uh, two different consecutive phrases in the same verse, translated in the Aramaic the same way. Each way they're translated as Vayetiv. And I thought we were going to start by seeing the different translations we have in front of us for how those who are rendering it into English made sense of the double. So does anybody have the Eitz Chaim Chumash can, can read us the um, um, JPS or any other trans- translation to English? Mine says, and he settled the first in the first Vayeshev, and the second Vayeshev is uh, he sat. And which translation is that? Saperstein. Saperstein. He settled and he sat. Okay, so that's that seems to be a, a similar way. The first one is like, a, gen, a g- generic place on the map, right? And the second one is the specific place, place where you're going to call home temporarily. Marshall? Uh, when Pharaoh learned of the matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh. He arrived in the land of Midian and sat down beside a well. So he, that's, that, that's the JPS. Arrived. Wow. So the first Vayeshev has arrived and then sat down. Then, oh. foot, footnote, literally sat or settled. Uh-huh. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Matt and then Diane Larry. Uh, Alter says that he, um, he dwelled in the land of Midian and he sat down by the well. Okay. Very similar to Everett Fox who says, but, but actually Everett puts a but in there. But Moshe fled from Pharaoh's face and settled in the land of Midian. Semicolon. He sat down by a well. So interesting. Um, uh, Everett Fox Goes settled, sat down, but he takes away the haber. Really? How can he do that? I don't know. Uh, that thing that, that Judy pointed, uh, that, that Diane pointed out last week, that it's not just Vayeshev al Be'er. He sat down by some apparently known well. It's a definite article, right? Uh, so, Ever Fox, I don't know what you were thinking. Uh, Diane Larry. So, um, Arya Kaplan has um, Moses fled from Pharaoh and ended up in the land of Midian. <laughs> And, and, and what's the second part? That's it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Moses was sitting near a well, but he actually not only breaks the sentence, he puts a period after a Midian, he actually breaks the paragraph. Wow. Yeah. Brand new thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as we've mentioned 147 times, translation is really hard. And I like translations that render the verse in. In a vernacular, that makes sense to us as a reader, but sometimes you can go too, too colloquial. The, the ended up doesn't do it for me. Um, but um, the ended up doesn't do it for me. But um, I do like the notion 
that he is putting a period or a paragraph big after the first Vayeshev to suggest that, that that's the end of a thought. Where did he go? He went to the Midian area, period. Now, one day when he was sitting by a well, he saw the following thing happen, right? As if to suggest, um, as if to suggest that um, the, the, the fact that the Vayeshev, the two Vayeshevs are in the same verse is unnecessarily confusing, and if they were in two separate verses, we'd be able to understand them as, as representing different ideas in different parts of a sentence. Good. Um, Barry? Okay. So uh, mine is it's all similar. He, he resided in the land of Midian, and, and he sat, parentheses, lived near the well. And, and we, we've focused a lot on the well. So it's almost like... Um, the whale that we know has now appeared, yeah. and this is where he lived. He 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 lived where near the whale. Yeah. What well? That well. That the well the, the, the well that we already know. He he lived he lived there at that well. Right. The question is, what well could that be? Because it's not. It's, it's we don't have a direct antecedent to that. There are many wells in Brashit and Rashi in. Um, um, in the last comment on on the verse is going to make some some general association with Genesisian wells, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we know which specific well he's talking about. We also don't have that much of an experience with with Midian, right? So geography is new, but the definite article of of Habair seems to suggest. Well, yeah, thanks, Joel. Um, seems to suggest, uh, independent of what um, of what um, Ever Fox translated, that there's some specific well that we're supposed to be thinking about. But I, I think that since Shekhinah is always associated with the well, it's a portable well. It's a, por- a portal well. Right. And Shekhinah has now appeared. Right. And we discussed last time also that Miriam ends up being associated with a well, a, 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 a recurring portable well that hydrates the Israelites in the desert. And this is now Moshe's fleeing from Egypt and be identified on a, on a locus level with a well. Great. Norm, Marshall, then Matt. Uh, Silverman translates both of them as abode and leaves it to Rashi to distinguish. So how does, so how does the sentence read? Um, it goes uh, uh, 15. Um, he, uh, he abode in the land of, of Midian and sat down by the well in one place, and in the other place it says, he abode in the land of Midian, and he abode by the well. I didn't know the word abode could be a past tense perfect verb like that. Interesting, he abode. Isn't abode. I think it's past tense ordinary. He abode means... He lived. He, he abided, isn't it? Resided or abided. Abided. Yeah. Um, Marshall, and then Matt, and then Diane Larry? Yeah, just following up on Matt's earlier call, call, uh, comment, that Alter has a footnote which says the well has the idiomatic force of a certain well. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. In other words, he's leading us, he's obviously just leading us into the story, the, the next adventure. Yes. He sat down by the well that I'm going to tell you about. Right. Uh, so, so, the, so the definite article pushes forward as opposed right. to backward. Right. Okay. Um, speaking about forward and backward, if you look for a quick second run, verse 15. Look at verse. Um, look at verse twenty-one. We'll get there soon enough, um, and maybe sooner rather than later, because there's actually a gap in the number of, in, in Rashi's comments coming up. Vayoel uh, Moshe after the incident with the um, with the wives uh, with the, with the daughters of, of of Jethro at the well. There's a gap. There's a meeting that we're going to spend some time on. Vayoel Moshe. And Moshe kind of agreed, was willing to, la shevet et ha'ish. We have la shevet again, not vayeshev, but it's the same verb. To sit down with the man. This is the encounter with Jethro. So we've got vayeshev, vayeshev, la shevet. Um, Ever Fox points that out as Renee reminded me in a, in a footnote on the verse that I translated before. Um, more important than the journey motif is that of exile, brought out tellingly in verse 22. We have settled and then sat. Adding the settle down of verse 21, we hear a threefold use of yashav, perhaps to stress Moshe's new life. So we've got lots of, um, lots of movement and lots of, uh, lots of dwelling, and dwelling in a different place than he had been used to. Diane Larry? So, so the discussion we're having on the verb lashavet is exactly the discussion on leshev basukah. 
because the question is whether when you say you need to sit down or you're just dwelling in the sukkah. Right. Excellent. And what's your personal practice? Um, it means to dwell, not to sit. Correct. And so, the, right, the verb is leshev basukah, and there's a question on the question, is the verb leshev the same or not the same as the verb lashevet, right? Are they, are they the same, but they kind of branched off in some um, taxonomy early on in the grammar, but they're really the same verb? Or they, are they different verbs? And lashevet means to sit, and leshev means to dwell, right? So that's a question, not an answer to the question. And I follow the same practice, that I, that I don't think that one needs to be sitting in the sukkah to fulfill the mitzvah of leshev basukah. And so when we, um, you know, come into the sukkah in the morning to shake lulav and etrog, we say leshev basukah, and it's by dint of our doing something in the sukkah, in this case, shaking lulav and etrog, that we are dwelling in the sukkah, even if we're not sitting in the sukkah. I have a brief comment about the article uh, that we're talking about, and I'll simply make a a comment. One of the things that's happened in the area of COVID with people not going to the office is they don't have a chance to talk around the water cooler. Yeah. We don't say a water cooler. We say the water cooler. And we're not talking about a specific water cooler. That's just an expression. Yeah. So it doesn't always mean a specific. It's like an archetype. Yeah. It's an archetype, right. Nice, nice. Nice. Yeah, that works really well. So as if the, as if the listener, when we hear the phrase, Vayeshev al-Haba'er, we, we, we know the basic kind of place he was at, rather than being told the specific GPS of that well. Great, great. Uh, Bered, uh, and then Judy. Lo shomimotach, Bered. Sorry, sorry, okay. sorry. Okay, so I'm not going to... Um, say much about this verb, yashav. I don't know if it's the place and the time. But in verse 15, Vayivrach Moshe mipnei paro, Vayeshev beretz midyan. So this yashav uh, should have been put in binyan hitpael, which mm-hmm. means that he settled down, okay? It's not the same form put here, it should have been he like settled himself down in that place, Midian, which we know the name from being one of the sons of Ktura, right? So we know this name. And then he said, like we all agree, he said on the well kind of an introduction to what's going to happen now, because now the curtain open and there is a scene that's going to happen now um, by the Be'er. But the Be'er, since the Be'er is the source of water, the Be'er is something very important and noticeable. So it's a, it's a place that they will know where is it going to happen. Okay, so um, that's the thing. And then in the other verse that you mentioned, 21, we will discuss the verb vayoel, but lashevet im ha'ish, not lashevet et ha'ish. So that's to sit down, like to be in the company, with the company of this man. Right. Wonderful, Baron. And to combine the last two things we heard, for those of you who are, who are in uh, our um, our version of the book, of the, of the Mikro of Delot, look at um, Sforno and Ibn Ezra on the bottom of the page, the bottom two on each side of the page. It's a very interesting contrast, and just it's just kind of wonderful, nerdy look at how medieval commentators over the generations, without necessarily knowing one another, were arguing about a hay. They're arguing about a hay, and they're disagreeing radically about a hay. So look at Sforno bottom right, uh, the last paragraph of Sforno, end of the first end of the first line of the last paragraph, by Yeshev al So that's the quote from the verse. Ube ovrobaaretz, and as he was passing through the land. Karalo, it simply happened, right? Kara with a hey is happenstance as opposed to kara with an olive, which is to be intentionally called out. Karalo, shiyashav samuch le'ezeber. Look what he puts in the ezeber. He sat down next to, you know, some, some well. Look at footnote 29. Afshakatuv haba'er, even though it was written the well, behei hayidia, with a hey that suggests, suggests the, um, a definite article. V'chein, similarly, when Yaakov has his dream, he got, you know, he, he, he happened upon the place, but it wasn't the place. Perusho, 
Makom, in some kind of random place. That's Sforno. Like, despite what, what your eyes tell you, the hay is not definite. It's more the wet, um, what Larry was saying before. We, we know what it means to sit by the well, but we're not telling you which well. Ibn Ezra, on the left-hand side, Al-Haba'er, Hayyidu'ah, the known well. Look at footnote 46. Lefichach, Beheyidiyah. That's where, that's why there is a hay of the definite article. V'yitachin, Shalo Haytasham Be'er Acheret. He also adds in that there are several ways of understanding what a definite article means here. So the well could mean the known well. You, reader, know what well I'm talking about. It could also mean the well of the area. As if there was only one, right? How many, how many encampments and tents were there in Midian? And as we are about to see, they are scuffling over the well to suggest that there isn't another well they could go to. They have to go to that well. So he believes that the Hei Hayyidiyah is definite, but it's telling you it's the well of that area, not, as Barry was suggesting, an, a, a well that we're supposed to um, find familiar specifically. So so much is possible um, uh, in understanding that Hei. Okay, Judy, and then we're going to read Rashi. Rabbi, thank you for directing us to verse 21, because as soon as you did that, something sprung up. Oh, no pun intended. Um, something well, sprung up. All right, maybe. Um, it was welling up inside of you, Judy. There you go. Um, let's look at the word well as a metaphor for a wellspring. And then what you can't listen intently when you're on the run. But when you're in the process of Vayeshev or Lashevet, when you are sitting, that's when you can more fully listen. And I'm thinking Moshe's engaged in the process of opening himself up to what he needs to do right now. He's listening perhaps to Hashem. He's listening to a whole new community of people. He arrives at Midian. He's Uh, sitting and listening there. He's at the wellspring. Maybe that is a metaphor for the well for his voice. He's contemplating. He's listening to the voice from beyond. He's listening to his voice. And then he understands. Now he needs to go to listen to the voice of Ha'ish. Great. So so I love the jumping forward to Ha'ish, particularly as we played with the, the impact of Ha'ish while he was still in Egypt. And of course, once you get into a metaphorical reading, and I know, I'm sure the Hasidic text went there, there's an enormous amount you can do with Moshe's um, beginning this stage of his life at a spot which is, a, which is an, a, an opening of a flow that continues to produce and hydrate and nourish. So that, that's maybe far from shot, but it also might be um, uh, like, built into what we're supposed to be thinking about, consciously and unconsciously, with this scene happening by Ha be'er. Now, let's go to Rashi. Okay, so we read Rashi on um, the first two comments of the, of the page. Um, Judy, since you're up, do you want to read uh, Rashi on Vayeshev Be'eretz Mijan? This is in our pagination, page Yudtet, second paragraph of the Rashi, third line, end of it. Yes. <clears throat> okay. Oh. Um, so this is should be Vayeshev Be'eretz Midian. Okay, here we go, here we go. Vayeshev Be'eretz Midian, Nehecha, no, Nehechav. Nit'akev, from the root um, Ayin Kaf Bet, which means to delay. So in the heat pa'el. Nit'akev um, Yeshiva, Lema, oh. No, you, you, uh, you, you skipped a line, Judy. Oh, sham. Oh, thank you. The titakev sham kemo vayeshev Yaakov. Okay. It says the first. Okay. The first vayeshev is similar to the vaye the, the vayeshev that was so famous, haha, that they named a parsha out of it, right? Yes, delaying there, as in the settling of Yaakov. So, in the beginning of Parshat vayeshev, we have vayeshev Yaakov be'eretz migurei aviv. We're not being told in that verse in Vayeshev, obviously, like his address. We're, t- we're being told that he, wh- where, did he, where did he live? Like, where was he making his home? In, in, in the general land where his forefathers had, had wandered, right? It's, it's not telling us 
where to go visit him on the map in particular. It's telling us something generic about where he ended up. Even though I don't like that translation, it's too, too uh, colloquial for me. It kind of makes some sense. Shh, Paddington, shut. Um, so that's the first one. And he gives us that quotation from Breshid. And then on the second one, Vayeshev al Haba'er, go ahead. Vayeshev al Haba'er, Lishon. Um, in that manner, in that way. Lashon here means the language of. I mean, when he says Lashon, meaning how should you understand the word? Understand it with the connotation of yeshiva. The noun sitting. Right. So you might say that the first Vayeshev is yeshuv, settling, and the second Vayeshev, according to Rashi, is yeshiva, specifically where he is in this moment, settling versus sitting. And many of the translations that we looked at had something similar, settling and sitting. By the way, I didn't even think about this. Even in English, settling and sitting are at least on an, uh, a literature level similar. I wonder if, if, if sit is, is etymologically connected to settle. I have no idea if that, how, how that L got into that, um, in that form. Um, and then keep reading, and then uh, we'll see what Larry and Diane have to say. Lamad me Yaakov, what is that, Giz? Nis daveg from the root zug, which means to pair, to pair up. Yes. Wow. Nis daveg. Low. Zug. I'm having trouble reading. So, Lamad Miyakov, he, Moshe, had learned from his forefather Yaakov, Shenis daveg low, zivug min haber, that a well is a great place to find your bride. Right? So, this is a wink wink from Rashi to us, going back to Breshit, into many well moments, but particularly the moment of Yaakov and Rachel and the heavy stone, and that's a great place to find your bride. He's setting up the fact that in two verses from now, Moshe's going to be married. Right. Maybe, right? So how, how did that happen? He was, he was a, you know, a burgeoning savior fleeing Egypt, and now he gets married, and Rashi wants to point us to the well as being a not accidental place where Moshe went, right? It is kind of like the water cooler in sense. That's where you go if you want to find your zivug. There's well, a, it's you know, like a fertility site. Yeah, right? So a, a zivug min hashamayim is a match made in heaven. So nizdaveglo zivugo, that Yaakov had paired to himself his pair, matched to himself his match um, from the well. Moshe says, I'll start there. Larry, Diane? Thank you. Um, I'm wondering, nobody's made anything of Rashi's using the word nitakev, which is like ikuv. We think of in modern Hebrew, ikuv is a delay. It's temporary. He, and, and nobody said anything about that. I'm not, I'm not sure that that's what Rashi meant by nitakev, but he was temporarily delayed there. Uh-huh. Not a permanent permanency. So that's one comment. The second comment that is a tribute to Arya Kaplan, nobody seems to make anything about the Midianites. So he goes to the Midianites. They were the ones who took Yosef and sold him into slavery. Right. But Very also, good. but also, where were they? I didn't know this, but they were they were basically on the trade route across the Sinai Desert. So in some ways, he may have, you could say he was already scouting out the path for the Yitzhak um, Mitzrayim for the for the Exodus. He was already going following these trade routes. But that's a midrash of a different color. Uh, three very rich comments, Larry. Um, I'm so taken by them, I forgot the first one. What was the first one you said? Ikuv. The, the delay Ikuv. is temporary. So in rabbinic Hebrew, um, ikuv, it, like, ikuv can, some, can mean something plain and something loaded, okay? So the loaded version of ikuv is, is, is like something that gets in the way of performing a mitzvah properly. If you go into the mikvah and you realize afterwards that you're wearing your wedding ring, is it a cave or not? Does it even retroactively um, in, inhibit your having done the mitzvah properly? So it can mean, it can have an, in, an inference that it's not time-based, but just um, getting in the way. Um, so that's, in halachic valence, it has that meaning. It can also just mean to delay, but... But, but it can also mean to delay, meaning to linger, meaning there's a, even within the plainer version of the verb, it can mean something, you know, slightly unwanted, like a delay that you didn't intend, or something totally neutral, lingering somewhere, right? So it's unclear just from the way Rashi uses it. It's clearly he's using it in the second 
category, not the first. It's not, it doesn't have to do with it, like whether or not this is a proper sitting, or it's unclear if Rashi is using it um, for the language of um, a temporary unwanted delay, or just basically Rashi's translation of yeshuv, a lingering, hard to know. Um, the second thing you said was about... The Midianites, the irony of it being... Wonderful. I, I don't think I've ever consciously thought of that. When you think about that scene with Yosef and, and the, the number of different names those merchants are given, they're Soharim, they're Yishmaelim, but one of them is their Midianim. So there's a little bit of, 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 um, of, of, of Moshe uh, circling back on Yosef. We've talked about Moshe and Yosef in the palace before. It's going to be Yosef who's going to take Moshe out of Egypt the next time Moshe, sorry, it's Moshe who's going to take Yosef out of Egypt the next time Moshe leaves Egypt with his bones. So that's really interesting that Midian gets um, placed here. And the last thing was, oh, the root. Really interesting. Yeah, that this is, um, we, we talked a lot, particularly at the end of Breshid, of, how, of the Torah presaging grand arcs that are to come. So that Moshe is not just fleeing Egypt, he's fleeing Egypt as a, as a, as a scout um, for, for the route he's going to eventually take. Great stuff. Uh, Sue. Um, I just wanted to say, Nitakev, it, um, it, it's, not, it's not the Torah, it's Rashi, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know how we can sort of not just ignore that all of Yaakov's life was a Nitakev. You know, he, the, the temporariness um, of, of tarrying for Yaakov essentially lasted his entire life and uh, his entire life was colored by it and he's named for it. And, um, and so I think it's more loaded than, than to say Nitakev is there's more there. It, it's a, it's a Yaakov echoing and it's not necessarily so temporary. It's an entire, it, it's, you know, it's it's not just a Terry thing. Yeah, it's, it's a little. It's more than that. It's a a life determining left turn. Right. In this particular case, the life determining tarrying, which Rashi is using ikuv to describe. I don't. I didn't check the mechilta to see if that same verb is used in the mechilta. My guess is that it is. That Rashi doesn't is borrowing the verb. This ikuv turns out rather well for Moshe. But um, but but it, but it, but it is a it, it is a temporary departure from the from the trajectory he was on. I was going to say something else, and now it's uh, left my mind. But I also now see that Tova put in Old English. Does that confirm or deny that set and s- sit and settle are related? What do you think? I think they are related. I looked up sit, uh, and I, I think if you go back Indo-European thing, they actually come together. Huh, really interesting. Yeah. Okay, um, great. We finished half of a verse that we had already discussed for an hour last time. So we are, we are, we are moving right along. I can see the end of the Book of Shemot uh, coming up anytime now. Um, okay. Um, who, um, who has not spoken that I can ask to, to read? Uh, Joel, you've hey hey, but you haven't uh, spoken yet today. So um, will you read verse 15, uh, 16 for us? Sixteen. Oh my God! Right. You have you have a, a, a great example in triplicate of the biblical way of doing feminine third person, plural, and a vavaypuch. And I know that's just what you were hoping for when you woke up this morning. So your dreams have come. And it comes, and comes in uh, handy in modern Hebrew, too. Yes. And the, um, um, the priest of Midian um, had seven daughters. Good. And they came and... Um, you know what Dalid Lamed Hay or Dalid Lamed Yud means when it comes to a well? With a, a pail? Yeah, to, to, to draw, to, to draw water. I okay. guess uh, the, the, the pa'a would be lidlot. That would be the infinitive? Lidlot? Okay. Um, but glee is a pail. Sorry. Yeah, glee is a pail, exactly. Right. And they filled their, um, their furniture. <laughs> uh, great, right? That, that's a, a wonderful read of modern Hebrew back into it. Um, we'll see what Rashi says about it, but 
it's probably it's probably not the pail itself. It's probably the trough, probably the the, the place into which the water would be poured. Um, and yet, in, 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 uh, it's 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 one of the words from which m the modern notion of an appurtenance or a, a furniture is is brought. Okay, so they filled the trough in order to um, give water to the. Um, flock of their father. Good. Lahashkot, the he feel to to of of the root that ha, that means to hide to water. Okay. Um, the Okay. Great. So um, those three verbs in a row are are, are wonderful. They're wonderful to lane. Batavona, batidlena, batmalena. Um, and if, if some of that's going over some of your head, um, for this is dropped out in modern usage unless you're writing it. Poetry, perhaps in Hebrew, third person, third person feminine, um, future tense or here past tense in a vav ha'ipuch form, um, instead of it just being um, uh, yava u ve male tavo u ve female, it's vatavona vatidlena vatmalena. We have that regard with um, the daughters of Slovchad as well. So. Let's 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 ask some questions on this verse. Uh, sometimes we go right to like asking your thoughts on it, but I want to start with the questions. What are some questions uh, if you're reading this verse for the first time or the first time in a long time that you would throw at the verse? Anyone, Andrew? Well, I'm cur I'm, I'm curious about the same thing I was curious about uh, in the similar Eliezer story, which is why all the detail with regard to the retrieval of water. How is it pertinent? Um, does it tell us something about Yitro or the daughters of Yitro? There does seem to be in, in a text which is famously terse, a lot of details when scenes happen at Wells. Eliezer and Rivka, Yaakov and Rachel. This is a much shorter scene, but it's very specific. I just listened to a Malcolm Gladwell pad, uh, podcast. Uh, and any of you listen to his, his podcast, Revisionist History? It's, it's great stuff. Oh, it's great stuff. So he had one on why country music makes you cry and rock music doesn't. And he says, we think it's because of the twang in their voices and the tunes they use. And he says, it's not. It's because the country music singers get specific and, and, and rock music in general are hanging out in generalities and cliches. But when you're listening to a country song, you're with you're, you're 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 with them in the pain of the relationship and the divorce and the death and and every and every detail is there and specificity is what opens up emotionality, right? So there there are details here that are just absent from lots of scenes, right? So that's a very good pickup. I thought you were going to ask something else, but I'll see if someone else asks it. Um, any other question, questions that, that you'd ask on this? Uh, just just shout them out. And number seven, magic number seven. Okay, so you can ask two questions on that. Why is it seven, and why do we need to know that it was seven? Seeing as only one of those daughters is going to be significant to us. Marshall? Oh, oh. oh Marshall, can't hear you. Yep. Uh, our last sentence ended with Vayeshev al-Habe'er. So I, I'd like to find out what uh, Moses was doing there. And then suddenly we're told about the Kohen Midian. Where, where is he? Why is he coming in here? Right. Well, he lives there. He lives there, but but what Marshall's getting at is that they're, they're, the Ula Kohen Midian is begging for an antecedent, right? What kind of what kind of a Kohen? That's my question. Okay, so that's another good question. Um, let's one at a time. We're, we're we're being introduced to a character and being told something about him before we're actually being introduced to him, and and that that priest of Midian whom you know about, no, we don't know anything about him, right? It doesn't say Hayak Kohen Midian Ushmo Ruel. It was, and, and to the priest of Midian, who's that, right? And then, great, so when Andrew, when, um, who was translating? I forgot already. Joel. When Joel was translating, he properly translated Kohen as priest, because that's the right English word for the Hebrew word priest, but it has to make us ask a question, what does that mean? What, what does that mean there? You'll, you'll, I'll, I'll, I'll give away some of the store. Um, if you look at Uncleus, Uncleus does not translate the word Kohen into the Aramaic word for into the same word that Aaron gets when he's a Kohen, Ula Rabbah, Rabbah, the master, the leader, the mm. one in charge. He is, he's, he's denuding the word from of Kohen from its ritual, religious, theological significance. We don't want, Unclus does not want us to think of, of Yitro as a priest in any way. He will thicken that a little bit. Uh, Leonard, Rebecca? 
did uh, Moshe know that they were the daughters of the priest or were they just a bunch of women? So for them to be identified right up front as the daughters of Midian, did he already know this? Had he been there for a while? Good. Right. From whose perspective are we supposed to be reading this verse? Are we simply being told this so, the, so we, the reader, know, what, know the import and the weight of what's about to happen? Or is this somehow we're being given a window into the knowledge that Moshe had in the scene? Great. And the, and the questions on the verse. Andrew? Kind of an addendum to Marshall's question, which is, why not just identify the priest of Midian in the first instance as Ruel or Yitro? Why is it important to, why do we not learn the name till a few more psukim later? Why, why are we being told a title at first? Good, good, right? So uh, we'll read 17 soon, but it's not till 18 that we have another uh, feminine third person plural, Vavaypuch, Vatavona El Ruel Avihen. They went to Ruel, their father. We assume that it's the same person we met two verses ago. All we learn about him in that situation is that he was the Kohen Midian. Great. And then there's going to be the question on that, which is why does this guy have several names? At least three that we can think of. Marshall, Tova, Larry, Diane. Uh, I guess in contemporary slang, you you refer to someone as a big kahuna. And how do I translate that into English? A big shot. A big shot. Not, not Not that he has a sacral function, but he's a big shot. Yeah. Great, great. Uh, Tova? Um, also on uh, uh it almost gives the impression of every place or every locale would have a Kohen, and this was the Kohen of Midian. So it, 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 I mean, one can read it as if you are presuming that knowledge. Got it. Yes. Good. Uh, Larry, Diane? So... All of these well scenes, or all of them that I'm thinking about, they all have a uh, women coming to water the flock. And I'm wondering what the connection is here. We think about God as a shepherd, is a is one image. Um, is there some is is there some sort of mystical significance about bringing the, the flocks to water? Good, and you're and you're 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 you're, you're offering that as a question. Do you have, do you have an uh, answer to your question? No. Good. So we can... I just want to mention to, to Marshall the etymology of Kahuna is Hawaiian. It's not at all. It's not at all in Euro, uh, Indo Euro, whatever Euro, European language. It came from Hawaii in the 19th century. Really? Yeah. I did not uh, know that. I always I always assumed rather you know proudly that we gave that we gave the world that word. In 1886, in a report by, in English by the Hawaiian government, which defines the word as doctor and sorcerer from Hawaiian, where it was applied as well to priests and navigators. But isn't that incredibly coincidental? There I mean, are coincidences, maybe. Right. That's, that's bizarre, for it to, and particularly for it to have the word priest attached to it. Missionaries. Missionaries, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to explore that. that. That seems too coincidental to be true, but maybe it is. Um, Judy, and then we're going to read the Rashi. Is it, too is it too loud for everybody in my background? Because there's, there's gardeners. Is it bothering everybody? Okay. From the same mishpacha, that's the explanation. I'm, I'm really taken by all the vav consecutive words around here. And it's reminding me that there have been many other examples of this. Uh, well, Esau and Yaakov, and any this, any that, any that, any this. Yes, you got it. And I'm thinking it's it's saying, reader, alert. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of actions, a lot of activity right now. Yeah, Uh, I I really like that comment, Judy, because I I, kind of threw out there before that, you know, in one verse, he's sitting by a well and then pretty soon he's going to be married. And we ask this question all the time. How much time has transpired? Some one of you asked, forgot who it was. um, Maybe it was Rebecca. Like. How long had he been by that well, and did he know these people? Had he ever met them before? So the the flow of the vaveha hipuch is suggesting a lot of stuff happening, even though there are very few numbers of words. Okay, Joel, you're back on. Let's read Rashi Anul Mijan, which I anticipated a little bit by having you all look at Unkelis. We don't hear you yet, Joel. Okay. All right. Okay. So, Kohen Midian means he was a Rav among them. 
Right. Um, a and big here does not mean rabbi. Rav means kahuna, right? Big guy. And I'm going to kind of walk you through this slowly. On footnote 71 in our books, the, the annotator says, Uncleus. So Rashi is reading this like Uncleus, that he is not, don't read it as priest, read it as local leader. Okay. But it's not that uncomplicated. Um, he, um, he rejected the um, Avodazara. Right. Um, the um, praying to idols, and um, he was expelled from them. Good. So the first thing Rashi says is that he wa- he's not a priest. But the second thing Rashi says is that he was a priest. He had been a devotee of Avodazara and maybe earned the sacral title Kohen, Upeireshlo. He left it. Lefaresh here does not mean to explain. It means to separate yourself from, to reject. He separated himself from Avodazara. Uh, th- these comments are setting up the Midrashic thrust that suggests that later on, um, after Exodus, Yitro slash Ruel becomes the first con- convert. He's taken in by the God of the Jewish people. But even before that, he had rejected almost like you can hear hints of the seven Noahide laws. He, he, had, he had at least gone to the basic place that, that rabbinic thought thinks that every non-Jew should be in, which is at least not to do idolatry. He had rejected idolatry. And because he rejected idolatry, because he was Ish Tzadik B'dorotav, as it were, the idolaters around him, Niduhu Islam. they sent him into an excommunication. That word is Nida. Nun In the core, nida has nothing to do specifically with menstruation. It has to do with being set aside, put aside, because um, uh, biblically, when a woman was in, uh, in nida, she was separate from her, from her husband and from uh, the community on some level. But the word itself has to do with being put aside. So a lot is being set up in this um, little Rashi comment. One, don't look at him as wearing an idolatrous priest robe now. Two, but he once did. Three, he rejected it, which means he's setting up his own, perhaps, embrace of the guy he's about to meet, who also, by the way, had to reject Moshe, had to reject the idolatry of the palace in order to become a a Hebrew. And four, that Yitro is paying the price for pushing against the zeitgeist, right? So there's a lot happening in that little uh, set of Rashi's. Marshal Norm Ilan. Yeah, in the... uh the Unclus text, which I have, just a footnote, which says that the word, uh, the chief, the Hebrew Kohen means priest or minister. The Targumist does not provide religious titles to non-Israelites and ascribes leadership role instead to the future father-in-law of Moses. So that's why it's called Rabbah. Yeah, good, good. Uh, Norm, Elon? Um, I feel like this explanation by Rashi is really looking forward to the next verse. He's explaining the next verse in advance because it relates to explaining the status or lack of status or change status of Ruel. Good. And it explains the kerfuffle around the well, right? So yeah. if it's the well, the only well of the area, if you can't get water there, you're in big trouble which means that it's already a fraught place. And this well is even more fraught because some of the daughters coming to nourish their flocks, the well are the children or the daughters of good local idolaters. And some are the daughters of someone who has been an iconoclast and pushed against that generation's embrace of idolatry. Great. Ilan. Yeah. What I'm curious as to what he's basing the, uh, but he disassociated himself from idolatry, is that based on something that he did he did he, did he feel that it fit with the narrative, or um, where does that come from? It's a good question because there isn't like an obvious, or even unobvious hook in the verse that drives that. Sometimes Rashi says something rather fanciful, but like, oh, I see how he's pushed into that, or he could pull that out of the verse. Here, I don't see something in the verse that you can twist into making that jump. Um, if we look at the fuller version of the Midrash in the Tanchuma, it might flesh it out further. Sometimes Marshall has that handy, so maybe Marshall, if you have a thought on that, please share with us. But no, I, I, don't, I don't see anything, um, unless Rashi is saying, I both want you to read the word Kohen as being specifically meaningful and not read it that way. So don't read it that way and that he's still serving as a, Kohen for idolatry, 
but I do want you to read it that way because that was once his role, which maybe makes his transformation that much more interesting. Uh, your question is better than my answer, but that's, that's, that's an attempt at an answer. Um, uh, Marshall and then Barry. Well, it's a very, it's a rather long section out of, uh, uh, in the Midrash itself, but it, I can read part of it and we can see if you want to go further with it. It said, V'halo ha-kadosh baruchu sonei avodat kochavim. And did not God hate idol worshiper, idol worship? V'natan manos l'moshe etzel oved avodat kochavim. And he gave, I guess, manos is like refuge, is it? Or um, not sure exactly what manos means. To a someone who was uh, an idol worshiper. Ella amru rabotainu, but rather our rabbi said, Yitro komir avodat kochavim haya. Yitro was a priest for idol worshiping. And he recognized there was nothing of reality happening there. And then it says, Uvisar me'aleha. I'm not sure what the word bet you at samach reish means. Well, um, that's interesting. Okay, but I'll, I'll continue with the next part of it, though. But he gave thought to doing teshuva before Moses came. The kara lifnei irov yomarla hem. He called to the, I guess, the men of his town, and he said to them, "Adachshav hayiti itchem." Until now, I was with you. They ata zakain ani b'charula chem komer acher. But now, uh, I guess, an, uh, I am an elder. I guess someone else has, has selected for you a, another another priest. Amad v'hotzi kli tashmishe avodat kochavim v'natan lahem hakol. Now he stood up and he went out. He brought because he brought all these uh, articles which would be used for purposes of idol worship. Her worship, and he gave them everything. Ah, so he divested himself of all of the accoutrements. I guess they stood and they separated him. That he, he not, I don't know what Lizda cake means. Lizda cake in that sentence probably means something like that they would, that they would not have any dealings with him, would not have any use for him, or, okay. or not allow him to be useful. Okay. Okay. Hmm. And they would not do any. Uh, he would not. They would not do for him any work, and they would not. Uh, I guess shepherd his his flock. Good. So let, 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 let's pause there because I think that's enough of, the, of a thickening agent. And going back to what Norm said, uh, setting up. Um, there's there's more at stake in this in the coming scene, which is only a verse long, if we know some of the backstory to this guy who we've just been introduced to. Um, and it makes his midrashic conversion later on more interesting. Um, and it also, I think, creates a parallel to Moshe himself, right? Moshe, Moshe and Yitro find themselves as kindred spirits, right? When Moshe comes back out of the Exodus in Parshat Peshalach, he goes to meet with Yitro before he meets with his own wife. Uh, we know that he consults Yitro in figuring out how to lead this flock. And I wonder if, if th- these these um, streams of Midrash are setting them up as kindred spirits in that they broke away from their environs to identify with the people and the God of the Jews, of the Hebrews. Uh, and at a price, at a price. Great. Barry. Well, uh, this discussion is going down the direction where I was thinking a few moments ago. Uh, it would seem that uh, 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 before Moshe is going to meet his future wife, uh, uh, his father and all needs to be kosher. Uh, so there's, there's a backstory that that makes them basically more 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 kosher. They're they're not idol worshippers. Uh-huh. That's a- so now that, uh, for so that Moshe can be introduced to this family. Right. That's another interesting take. Like uh, I hadn't thought about that. Like God forbid Moshe, who is kind of only recently identified with the Israelites himself connects to someone who, who has a, a, you know, a fully schmutzedic ideologist background. This, this is a family already on the path. Interesting. Um, Larry, Diane, and then we're just about at the end. This is a very quick question. I know it's a long answer, but you'll give me a short one. So we're reading from Midrash Tanchuma. 
I mistakenly was looking up in Midrash Rabbah, and then I decided maybe I should look up in uh, Ginsburg's Legend of the Jews. Uh, are these, uh, I know Legend of the Jews is modern, but the Midrash Rabbah, Midrash Shachuma, are they separate compilations of Midrashim? Are they overlapping? Are they basically telling the same stories with different voices? On some level, the answer to your last three questions are all yes. Midrash Rabbah is considered like the, 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 the most classic collection of narrative agadic Midrash on the Torah. And so there's a Breshi Rabbah, Shvot Rabbah, Biyakar Rabbah, Bamidbar Rabbah, and Dvarim Rabbah. That is in contradistinction to the classic halachic Midrashim on the text from which we get Jewish law. But whereas there are rather few and, um, and contained halachic Midrashim, agadic narrative Midrashim uh, um, were being created and compiled for centuries um, I don't remember, I believe that Tanhuma is understood to have been at least compiled and canonized later than uh, Midrash Rabbah, but there is an enormous amount of overlap, and to make it yet more interesting and complicated, a lot of those Midrashim also appear in the Talmud, in the Bavli and the Yerushalmi. So what, what, what is so masterful about Legends of the Jews, if you guys don't know that work, it's a little bit hard to access, but it may be the most impressive Jewish book in the last 150 years. Maybe Jastra was is close to it. Uh, uh, Professor Louis Ginsberg, who is um, a Talmudic and Midrashic savant who taught at JTS, he basically took every every um, rabbinic Midrashic source from the second to the ninth centuries, and he wove it into a single continuous narrative, as if it's all telling one story. And you can read it almost like, like, like a novel with all of the midrash, Midrashim woven in. And every sentence or two is footnoted. And each footnote appears in another volume of the book. And each footnote has about 17 different comments and sources on it. And so, yes, he will cull from Midrash Rabbah. He'll cull from Tanhuma, And he'll cull from Midrashic sources that neither you nor I have ever even heard of. Midrash Haggadol, Yalkut Shimoni, um, and, and, you know, Midrash, uh, Tanhuma Zutra, uh, you know, a smaller version of Tanhuma, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, they're, they're, it's, 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 the same, um, it's the same trove of material. There are uh, Midrashim that are unique to each one. There, there are Midrashim that appear in Tanhuma and do not appear in Midrash Rab and vice versa. But there's a lot of overlap. Ginsburg's, Ginsburg is, uh, the, um, I think, the entirety of all of his volumes are on Sfaria. But if you, go, if you go and you, and you use that, you should definitely contribute to Safaria. You should contribute anyways, but if you go to, to access that one, you should make a contribution right away. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I didn't realize that that had been uploaded. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. Um, okay, let's let's stop there. And when we start next time, we'll be at Harihatim, uh, the furniture into which the water was poured. And, oh, um, yeah, uh, I don't think of any other announcements. Next week, we'll meet on a normal time, uh, not in our booths. Matt, is your hand up? No, your hand was up. So just the answer to that question was yes. Um, and Moadim Simcha, and enjoy the rest of your Sukkot. And looking forward to... Chaguzel. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.